Thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray this podcast engages you and encourages you to become more like Him. Hey, so uh, I'm Tracy. I'm on staff here, and I got my good friend Dave Branch with me. Thanks for being here, man. Um, we're just going to talk through just for a couple of minutes a little bit about Memorial Day. And Dave, why don't you first of all just maybe tell us a little bit about yourself, and then we'll go from there. Okay. So Dave Branch, been uh, here at Journey almost 15 years. Uh, retired in 2020 after 31 years of service with the Army. Uh, married for 28 years to uh, Lori Branch. Uh, three kids, uh, Emma that you'll see keeping nursery uh, most Sundays, uh, Grace, who just finished college, and Wesley, who's a sophomore at Georgia. Awesome. Good stuff. Hey, y'all thank Dave for being here, will you, real quick? Awesome. Thanks for sharing, man. So this is a big weekend in a lot of ways, so we get excited. We're excited about all kinds of stuff, right? School's out for summer, right? Y'all, I was waiting on some of y'all to sing that with me, but if y'all sing like I do, I understand. So anyway, um, hey, but seriously... Um, we're excited about a longer weekend. A lot of us get an extra day off of work, right? Have a shorter week coming up. That's awesome. We're excited about summer vacations, summer, all of that stuff. So an exciting weekend, but also one that sometimes we fail to remember some things. And if you're anything like me, we get so excited and caught up in a lot of the grilling out and all of those other things that sometimes we don't remember and we don't remember the fallen. So we're going to talk through just a few questions with my friend here. And uh, so the first question is like maybe for a lot of us, we already know, but it's just a good reminder. And maybe for some of us, we don't quite understand what Memorial Day is. So Dave, what is Memorial Day? So Memorial Day uh, really started 1865. It was a way to honor the Civil War dead and it really was fairly simple ceremonies, and it traces back to May 1st, 1865, here in Charleston is what a lot of historians will tell you, where it was simply going to grave sites, uh, both for Union and Confederate soldiers, and placing flowers on graves that were unattended, or mass graves, or just remembering the sacrifices of, of service members in that conflict. And of course, that was called Decoration Day, and it is now uh, progressed to what we know as Memorial Day. Awesome. And I like that because I kind of read up on that and I didn't quite understand that it was originally called Decoration Day and that they decorated the graves just as a, as a memory, as a memorial. So that's awesome. Um, and then it gets a little bit more personal for a lot of you, maybe some of you today, it's more personal than for others. So um, the next question would be just like, what does Memorial Day mean like personally to you? So... Uh... Many service members, current and, and former in the audience, know that that when you took an oath to serve, you know, there's, um, we take this obligation freely. And that has always been a statement to me in, in the oath. Uh, and it, it means quite a bit to us, and we understand just the details of, of what that could lead to. Um, but for Memorial Day for me, there's, I separated when I was in service and now that I'm retired. In service, there was a proximity to other service members. There was always a formal ceremony. There was always a recognition. There was always an understanding with families and friends. And, and we would gather both on the base and, and off the base. And we had the opportunity to talk about our fallen comrades. We had an opportunity to share with their families. Uh, now that I retired in 2020, that proximity, even though we're close to Fort Gordon, is, is, is not 
quite the same. And, and I found myself last year, uh, the first Memorial Day out of uniform, actually back on Fort Gordon, visiting building, buildings and sites that were named for friends of mine who made the ultimate sacrifice. And, and, and so for me, it is real. For my family, it is real. My wife has volunteered for years with organizations that help with grief camps of those who have lost loved ones. My kids grew up with kids who did not have a mom or dad because they lost them either in conflict or at the Pentagon. And so for us, it's a very personal day that, that we do take time out and, and remember. Man, and I know that there's probably a lot of you, I mentioned it's probably more personal for you, but maybe some in here that are just really connected. You lost a loved one. You lost a family member, a friend. Um, you lost just kind of a fellow soldier. And so I know that's real for a lot of people in this room online over at Sherwood. I know it's real for a lot of people. So um, even more personal, what, like, what, what would you say to maybe somebody online, somebody right here, somebody at Sherwood that's maybe struggling with that loss? So I, for me, I, I come up with this word uh, real, R-E-A-L. And I use that as, as, as how I approach Memorial Day. And, and the R being remember. Right. Take a moment. Remember, there'll be that opportunity tomorrow nationally at 3 p.m. just to pause for a minute and, and, and consider the families uh, who lost loved ones who, who are not sharing that day with them because they did make the ultimate sacrifice. Uh, and the E is, is, is engage. Engage with people um, because they want to share the story. They want you to remember what that sacrifice was, who they've lost. Uh, and the A is, is acknowledge. So acknowledge that this is a day of grief for many. And, and the service members in the room know that this may not just be a singular loss. You may have a list of names that you served with that you remember on Memorial Day. Acknowledge that this is grief for many, and they're somewhere on that spectrum. Some will be ready to talk about it. Some will not. Uh, and, and they may not be responsive, but at least acknowledge that, that this is real. Uh, and last, uh, the L is, is listen. Listen when that individual is ready to talk and talk about that family member or that friend they lost. Because I'll tell you what we have found, and Lori and I have done some good grief camps on Memorial Day in D.C. where you would see three or 400 kids that don't have that special family member in their life. And the most important thing to them is to have somebody remember that name, remember that sacrifice, see those pictures, and, and, and have a conversation because their loved one is just as real to them today as they were before the loss. Wow, that's awesome. So um, thanks again. Thanks for sharing your heart. And I want to encourage us to do that, to take kind of some of these things to heart this weekend, tomorrow especially. Um, and one of the things uh, that we talked about earlier is that at three o'clock tomorrow is kind of a national moment of silence. I want to encourage you guys just to take a moment during your day, maybe set your alarm, just take a quick moment uh, and remember those who are fallen. So thanks for sharing with us. Bobby's going to come up. Pastor Bobby's going to come up in just a second, and he's going to share a story about remembering and about remembering certain things and all of that. So anyway, thank y'all for kind of listening in, and thanks, Dave, for your heart. Appreciate you, man. I want to throw something else out real quick before I get started. Um, 
we have a military ministry here, which we haven't talked a lot about as of late, but we have a great military ministry here. And one of the hearts or one of the reasons we put it together is because we realize that lots of people are struggling with different forms of PTSD and, and grief. Um, we can't answer, and it's, and it's interesting, I say this all the time, we can't answer all the questions because sometimes we don't even, I mean, answer all the, uh, have all the answers because sometimes we don't even know what the questions are anymore. But if you need to talk to somebody, we would love to have a conversation. You go to the Next Steps area and somebody will make sure without a shadow of a doubt uh, that you're put in touch with somebody. Tracy Presley, actually our missions and outreach pastor, is over that area of ministry and he would uh, absolutely love to talk to you about that and just kind of hang out. It was interesting, when he was talking about Memorial Day, I didn't know um, about the three o'clock tomorrow. And I was literally gonna walk up here, um, you know, first service and just say, hey, by the way, tomorrow, while we're cooking our chicken and pulling our pork and doing whatever, whatever we're all gonna do, wouldn't it be great if we just as a church body, a faith community just stopped and recognized and remembered what was going on? And, I, and that word remember kept coming up and remember's an interesting word, isn't it? I mean, you know, sometimes we're, we hear sermons about don't remember. And a lot of times we hear sermons about don't remember this because it was a, a bad situation or whatever. But there's lots of things that we remember that lead us to good spots. And it's interesting because for me, it was yesterday, it was just kind of out of nowhere. I was cutting the grass and, and all of a sudden I was overwhelmed with the smell of cut grass. And it reminded me of playing Little League Baseball. And I, it literally took me to Sunny Bray, baseball, a Little League baseball up in uh, Hamilton Township, New Jersey. And I remember the team I played for, and it was just, it was that moment of clarity. It was just like, wow, what a cool moment of, of memory, the smell. And then I walked in the house and um, my wife was cooking bacon. Who doesn't love bacon, right? And she's cooking bacon. And it, for some reason, it was just that, that smell just reminded me of my grandmama's house. And I was like, wow. And it was that moment there. And then, and then yesterday we were in Atlanta. We were watching the, the Atlanta United soccer last night and we were walking down the road and we saw this little group. There was a group of girls and maybe a mom or whatever. They had a little couple speakers out and they were, and I hear, but don't, don't, don't. And right away, you're thinking queen, another one bites the dust. But if you grew up in my generation, that was the beginning of the first rap song done by a band called Sugar Hill. And it went hip, hop, a hibbity, a hibbity, a hip, hip, a hop, so I can hear it, and I, and I start singing the song right where they're at. And they stopped singing. I kept on singing. And my daughter, Courtney, goes, oh, my gosh, Dad. Like, like, but it took me back, took me back to a spot. I was, on, I was cutting the grass yesterday, and I, I listened to all different stations, but I was listening to an 80s station, 80s rock. Anybody 80s rock? Even if you're not of that generation, 80s rock, it's classic, right? And, and it came on. Uh, Pat Benatar, um, love is a battlefield. I thought about all the girls that dumped me. I said, all the, you know, hey, will you go to the dance with me? Yes, no. And it was always no. And so I thought about that. And then, and then I thought about, honestly, there was another song that came on, um, probably not a good song, but it's a song that Rat, Round and Round, anybody? A little rat, Round and Round. Okay, and I was reminded of the first time I graduated high school and my parents let me go uh, off on my own. It was a kind of an independence. It was the first concert I ever went to. It was also the first morning I ever woke up sick the next morning. And it was just amazing, amazing time. And then, and then, honestly, I'd be amiss if I didn't talk about this one. When I met my wife, um, Luther Vandross was big. And, and I heard it yesterday on Yacht Rock Radio. Here and now. I pro- How many people remember that song? So sing it to your spouse. No, don't sing it to your spouse. Well, then I got to thinking about remembering all the things I remember. And, and honestly, how many people remember this right here? Uh, if you're my age, you know exactly what this is. Right, this is how we did playlists way back then. 
we start with Duran Duran, hungry like a, you know, and we kind of plateau with, you know, whoever was up there. Like, this was how we, I didn't have all the different things on my phone. I, how, how about this one? How many people remember this? That's how we rode. That was shotgun. We didn't have, for, let me tell you what. We didn't have seatbelts and we didn't have to ride our bikes with helmets on. Right? We just, we rode our bikes and we jumped jumps and we ran across. It, we, it was, how about, th- oh, stop, I got to stop before you, don't put the next one up. My buddy Jim here yesterday, last week, I'm talking, or two weeks ago, I'm talking about something. He goes, do you remember when? He goes, kids don't even know about, you know, all they know is bottled water. This is how we drank water when I was growing up. You had to wait like a minute for the hot water to get out. Right? Y'all remember this? And then on on top of that, it tasted like rubber. But it was every, like I, so you even said to me last week, right? So I'm like, you still occasionally go to the hose and drink because it reminds you of something. Okay, so how many people are like in their 20s right now? You think you're all cool with all your video games that you got right now and, you know, all the Madden this and the Madden that. This was when video games were real. Pong. Boink. 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 That was it. That's all we did. That's all we knew. Hey, just for the, I don't have a picture of this. How many people had Atari? How many people remember having to blow the thing up before you stuck it in, right? Okay, so for you young people, right? Like we're, we're, we're kind of diverse group here. You young people, this is how we had to call our girlfriends. If, if, somebody, if somebody needed to talk to us or we got in trouble, I said, and by the way, that's a mailbox on the left. That's where we used to put things, not email, snail mail, paper mail used to go in that thing right there. Okay, now I gotta stop for a second. I've been, I've, been, I've been around a long time, right? Long time. And, and, and I know there's all kinds of technology and we have all kinds of technology, but this was high tech back then. This is how we tested batteries if they were good. That answers why I'm the way I am. How many people have ever done that? Test a nine volt, man. Today, we're gonna look at a passage of scripture. And it's found in Joshua, and it's about the story of Israel. They've already crossed the River Jordan. They're on the other side, and God tells them to set up a monument to remember something. And I want to set a ground rule right now because I know I'm going to hear it. So many messages that I speak, I talk about moving past your past. And I talk about that we're brand new. We're a brand new creation. The old is gone, as new has come. But there's times in our lives that God wants us to go back to key moments in our lives to remember about the things that he's done in our lives. And so he does it with the nation of Israel 6,000 years ago, and he's going to do it with our lives, I believe, even today. Now, I'm not trying to stir up any kind of crazy emotions or whatever, but what I am saying is I need to, and we need to realize that when I was growing up, after I became a Christian, we went to a church called Church of the Harvest, and they used to have these Sunday night sings. Anybody ever go to a church that had a Sunday night sing? And the same person who couldn't sing was in charge of the Sunday night sing and would get up there, right? I remember. And every Sunday night sing, this one lady, I'm not gonna say the name, this one lady would sing the same song. And it went like this, and it reminds me of this. It would go, just like Shadrach, just like Meshach, and just like Abednego. Anybody know that story, right? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fiery furnace. And then the next line was this, he'll do it again. And I know that, Sometimes in the world we live in, it's hard for us to grasp onto a God that we can't see, we can't smell, we can't, 
But I want to tell you, the same God that did miracles in the, in the Old Testament, all through the Old Testament, is the same God that wants to do them again right now in our lives. And so when we look at this story, we, we kind of understand this. Let's just remember what God was teaching them. And let's try to draw some truth and lean into what God's trying to teach us. So the very first thing, if you're a note taker, I want you to write down. Make it a point to remember at, court, at key moments of your life, the past. Joshua chapter four, this is what it says. When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, take 12 men from the people from each tribe of man and command them saying 12 stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan. And he said, take 12 stones from the very place where the priest's feet uh, stood firmly and bring them over to you and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. So real quick, what happened the chapter before this is he, the, the Lord stopped the water in the river of Jordan uh, so they, the Israelites can walk across. That's the second time that this nation of Israel has seen that happen. And so they get on the other side and, and the water kind of uh, comes back and, and then he's gonna recede it again. He wants them to set up this monument, set up this memorial. He said, then Joshua called from the 12 men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, pass on before the ark of the Lord your God in the midst of the Jordan and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder according to the number of tribes of the people of Israel, those 12 tribes, that this may be a sign among you. Now watch this, this is real key. When your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of Jordan were cut off. So these stones, watch, these stones shall, shall, be, uh, shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. So every time that they look at these stones, every time, what he was trying to set up and establish is something that the children and the children's children and the children's children's children will look at years later and go, do you remember what God did? Do you remember how God does this one thing? And when it comes to our spiritual lives, I believe there's great power in remembering. Do you know that the Bible sh shares the word remember about 166 times? Now, here's our problem. You need to write this down. I don't care what stage of life. I don't even care if you're a believer or not today. This statement is true. Our problem is we forget the things that we need to remember and we remember the things we need to forget. We're constantly living in that flux. We're always looking at the negative instead of the positive. And I love the way 2 Timothy says it because Paul is speaking to Timothy. He's talking to his protege. He's talking to who he's gonna leave ministry to. And he says this, remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David is preached in my gospel. The word there, remember, is not just kind of what we think about. Let's kind of view it back. It's actually what's called an imperative, which means a command. And it's also active and present, which means it's continual. So he's saying, this is a command to continue to remember, continue to remind yourself. Now there's three key phrases that I think we have to get as a New Testament body of believers or a group of faith, a group of believers in community. We have to understand what he's saying here because I believe in this passage is something for us to remember. And it's to remember what the gospel means and stands for. He says this, Jesus is the Christ. Jesus was raised from the dead and Jesus was a descendant of David. That's everything we need to know in the gospels that Jesus was in fact sent as the Christ, the Christos, the son, the lamb of God, that he was raised from the dead. And then he was in the lineage. He was of loyalty. He was actually prophesied for 6,000 years that he was gonna be that one. And I'm gonna tell you, I, I, I wrote this down this morning. Remembering the gospel gives us strength to, uh, just kind of to uh, for the present and hope for the future. And remember what God has done for our past is vital for living in faith in the future. Now, I wanna I want say this. There's some parts of our lives that we need to hang on to. 
But there's some parts of our lives we need to let go. Amen? I want to make it clear. God didn't tell Joshua, I want you to build this memorial service to remind you about how you disobeyed me and the golden calf experience. He didn't go, he didn't go, hey, hey, here's the deal. Why don't you build some rocks that one or second, third, fourth, you know, remind. He, he never, he didn't say, do this as a memory, do this memorial, do, do, build these rocks to remind yourselves how, how arrogant you were and how, how you were disobedient, how grumbling. He didn't do it. That, he said, remind yourself. He didn't, even, he didn't even say, remind yourself of when you were in slavery. He said this, remind yourself of all the good things that God has done. And in our lives, there needs to be key moments that we do that. God doesn't want us to build monuments to our failures. He doesn't want us to kind of revel in the worst moments of our life. As a matter of fact, it's kind of the opposite. In Psalms 103, verse 12, he says, as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Let me tell you what he wants. He wants us to walk away from our past and, and start over. And that's, that's a moment we should remember. He wants to learn from our mistakes. He wants to, you know, meditate on his goodness. A few years ago, anybody ever have a moment that you're just struggling with your faith? Okay, I'm the only one. Fantastic. There was a moment a couple years ago where things were just seemingly going sideways and it wasn't a matter of whether I was gonna leave my faith. I wasn't deconstructing my faith. My, my faith doesn't need to be deconstructed. What needed to be de- deconstructed is my view of church, not my, my, my view of Jesus, amen? And so it was one of those, I was, I was just kind of struggling with all that. I still, I asked a question to a friend of mine this past week. I said, you know, the way we do church today, I don't, I don't think it's gonna be the way we do church two years from now or five years from now. I, I think we have to constantly be in flux. We gotta change, right? The, the message stays the same, but the delivery's gotta change. And so I was at one, one of those moments in my life and I remember sitting there and I was questioning things and there was pressure from all different sides. And I, I remember sitting there and about three, three months after I started praying this prayer, I remember God gave me an answer. Now, I can't tell you the answer because it was very personal to me. But one of the things that I did right after God gave me the answer, and I actually showed some of our staff this the other day, I, I, I put a cross in my Bible, and, and, and it was a blue cross. And I just put a blue cross in my Bible, and I wrote a passive scripture that he gave me. And, and this was more important than the message that he gave me, that God was faithful. And it says, and to those who know your name and put their trust in you, um, he says, oh Lord, have not, have not forsaken those, you have not forsaken those who seek you. And, and what I learned in that moment was, it wasn't so much the answer that I was, I needed to be reminded that the one I was seeking still loved me, he cared about me, he was gonna answer questions in his time. And so I put that cross there just to remind me of that. And, and it, it, it served, you know, this has been a couple of years ago. I can't tell you the amount of times over the last couple months that I've gone back to this, this cross and I just looked at it, I read that scripture. It served as a monument. And it's interesting to me because I looked at my office over the last week as I've been preparing this and I literally walked through my house yesterday. In my house, in my office, there's all little moments. We'll call them, you know, monuments or memorials, but there's all these little moments that every time I look at it, I go, I remember what you did. You know, I remember we have a family prayer that we pray. And um, the other day I was walking through and I was just maybe complaining a little bit. I know preachers aren't supposed to, but I was just complaining a little bit, right? And I, you know, like, you know, and, and, and God reminded me of a great family that I'm involved. Well, that day I walked past and my kids gave my wife this banner that has her family prayer on it. And what a blessing. For 32 years, I've known this, this family prayer. It's, um, um, uh, start me on this. Gracious Lord, pardon our sins, accept our thanks for these and all the blessings for Christ's sake, amen. And even this morning when I left the house, I looked at it and I was like, 
man, that, that right there serves as a reminder of, a, it's, it's a pillar. It's, it reminds me of the heritage that her parents had and her grandparents had and her grandparents' grandparents had and how we're leaving that somehow or another to our kids in our lives. Can I, can I ask you a real honest question? Where are you setting up some stones right now? In your life, in your marriage, in your workplace, in your family, where are you setting up some stones that years from now you'll go, hey, do you remember this moment right here? Do you remember this moment right now? I'm not talking about the bacon grease and I'm not talking about, I'm talking about real legitimate moments. What are you lining up? What are we lining up as a faith community? I've said this before and um, actually Caleb Meeks has repeated this over and over again. One of my things that I say all the time is I'm gonna leave the church in better condition than it was left to us. Not, not just the local church, but the church, because man, over the last years, it's been a mess. It's been a disaster. You know what? I'm starting to set up rocks going, hey, these are the things we're gonna do as we, as we pass it on to the next generation. So that's the first thing. Second thing is this. Remember a time when it was working, when it was working. Everybody has that moment in their lives where you go, okay, I remember my marriage was at its best at this moment right here, or my faith walk or my business or my, my life was at its best. And think through the moment of what was, what was taking place in that moment that made it the best. I, I love when this happens. You have to just get on this little, I'm going to get on a, a little, little kind of side note here for a second, a little rabbit trail. Joshua chapter five, verse two. At the time, the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives and circumcise the son of Israel a second time. So Joshua made a flint knife and circumcised the son of Israel at Hephzibah. And this is the reason If I say it, it will come out a mess. So, uh, and this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the males of the people who came out of Egypt, all the men of war, he had died, had died in the wilderness on the way after he'd come out of Egypt. Though all the people who had come out had been circumcised, yet all the people who were born on the way in the wilderness after they came out of Egypt had not been circumcised. So what, what he's saying right here, let's just kind of put this in context. He's saying all the people that left Egypt that were of the right age, they were circumcised going in the wilderness but they had kids and the kids had kids because they were there for 40 years and they stopped doing circumcision. For whatever reason, they stopped doing it. And what God's saying to Joshua right here is that's a tenant that's very important. As a matter of fact, it goes all the way back to the book of Genesis. It said, this is my covenant that you and your descendants must keep. Each male among you must be circumcised and there will be a sign that you and that they have accepted this covenant. All must be circumcised. Your bodies will thus bear the mark of my everlasting covenant. Now he's saying, go back to the moment when it was working, when, when it was, the relationship was at its best. It's interesting to me because Roman talks about this, but a Jew is one inwardly in circumcision in the matter of the heart. He's talking, what he's talking about is like to a New Testament believer, that's not the sign. Um, Paul says it in Galatians. He said, I bear on my body the mark. And everybody, when you read it, you think he's talking about the marks on his back because at that point he had been beaten. And some people think he's talking about a circumcision because he literally talks about a circumcision. What he's talking about now as a New Testament believer is the circumcision of our hearts, that the callousness of our hearts and the sin of our hearts is being peeled away. But Joshua was told to go back to a certain time in history when everything was working, when things seemed to be easy. It was square one, a personal faith. That's what ours is. Square one for us is a personal faith based on a, a, a love-driven relationship with Jesus. Can I, can I throw something out? I've had a lot of people come to go. I actually shared a new message series with somebody this past week that I'm working on for next year, and it's about the seed in the ground. If you've ever read it, one seed grows real quick but dies away. One never even starts growing. One, it plants itself. And I've, I've kind of joked around the series title is going to be, where are they now? 
And like, but we've all had friends that came to know Christ. They were in church. They were doing all this stuff, but they one by one peeled away. And, and I, I started writing this and I, I think I figured out what prevents many Christians from being everything that God's called them to be. Anybody ever know anybody that, man, they started out with, they were great. They were amazing. They looked like they had a lot of promise. And then where are they now? And I think one of the things that happened is they abandoned the basics. They abandoned the things that work. They get sidetracked into thinking that Christian life is about winning arguments. They get, they get sidetracked and consumed with fighting because of a political candidate or a social situation. And they forget the very essence of what we're supposed to be doing and what we're supposed to be lo- or who we're supposed to be loving is Jesus. You know, it's not a new thing either. We did a series last year um, called uh, To the Church. And one of the churches was the church of Ephesus. And this is what it says, Romans chapter two, uh, Revelation chapter two. I know your works, you toil and your patient endurance and how you cannot bear those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles or not and found them to be false. What he's saying right there is, you guys are, you guys are doing all the processes, right? You're checking all the boxes. You got everything figured out. But Revelation chapter two says, but I have this against you that you have abandoned the love you had first. Had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you had at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Now, let me ask you an honest question then. No hands raised. Don't look at your partner. Don't look at somebody down the aisle. Can you remember a time when you were most spiritually alive? Where everything seemed to work. Every prayer seemed to be answered. Every, every time you shared Jesus with somebody, there was at least some type of, what were you doing in those moments? What was happening right there? How about this? Do you remember a time when your marriage was at its best? What was going on in those moments right there? Do you remember a time where kids, like it seemed to be easy raising your kids? What was going on right at that moment? What were you doing then that you're not doing now? What were you thinking about back then that you're not thinking about now? Were you praying more? Maybe. Were you praising more? Because I'm going to tell you, that's a key element in overcoming stuff. I'm convinced of this. When prayers go and praise go up, walls come down. But were you, were you serving more? Were you spending more time in the Word? Were you spending more time with the Father? What, what was happening then that's not happening now? Go back to that moment. Even if it seems like it's elementary, watch what happens. Just like he told them to go back to the circumcision moments, Sometimes in our lives, we got to go back in the moments where we were at our best. Let me give you a third thing. We'll close right here. Remember that every moment, every moment, every moment of our lives can be sacred. Joshua chapter five, verse 13, when Joshua was uh, by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and he looked. Now I want you to notice in that first line, when Joshua was by Jericho, he wasn't in Jericho. He lifted up his eyes and he looked and behold, a man was standing before him and he drawn, uh, drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us? Are you for our adversaries? And he said, no, but I'm, I'm the commander of the army of the Lord. And now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said this, what does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take off your sandals, take them from your feet for the place you're standing is holy." And Joshua did so. There's two key elements here. I want us to get it real quick, okay? The first one is, he told him to take his sandals off. Do you remember that? That's something that happened with Moses when he was at top of Mount Sinai. He said, take your, and I believe it's this. 
These things right here, these shoes, your shoes, their sandals, take us where we need to go. They protect us along the way. And what God was saying to both Moses and Joshua is, I'm getting ready to take you somewhere where I want you to go, not where you wanna go. And I'm gonna protect you. And I'm gonna be that, per- that, that person that takes you there. How many times in our lives have we gone a different direction than what God wants us to do? And maybe for some of us today, the learning thing is this. We need to take off our shoes spiritually and start asking God, where do you want us to go? What job, what relationship, what relationships? Where do you want me to be, God? That's the first thing. And the second thing is this, and this is probably more important. At this point, there was no Jericho. They hadn't gone into the promised land. See, we have the advantage. We read Joshua chapter four and chapter five and chapter six. Joshua hadn't read it yet. Hadn't been written, hadn't been done yet. Nothing's happened yet. There was just a trust factor right there. But it was in that moment. You know what? This is what happened. So many times we're waiting for that moment. And we think that that moment's gonna be the holy moment when God's calling this moment right here sacred. Okay, you don't have to wait until everything is lined up. You don't have to wait till you're perfect, amen? You can be all jacked up, just like the, Alan said it a couple weeks ago, and I I just somehow or another want want a shirt that says this. He said, he got up here last week and he goes, we are all jacked up, every person in this church. Somebody say amen, look around, look around, seriously. We're all jacked up. We all have our, our crap. Somebody said to me this morning, we come to journey because you say crap. So I just said it. You you don't have to wait to that moment. The holy moment, the sacred moment is not over there. It's right where you're at right now. This is what Joshua, every inch of ground that my feet will walk on, that's my ground. That's his ground. And you know what makes moments holy? When he's with us. That's it. There's no secret formula. There's no special recipe. It's wherever he is in our lives. We said it last week. What's the kingdom? The kingdom is wherever God is operating, wherever Jesus is. The Bible tells us this, where two or three are gathered in his name. He's right in the midst. This is the holy moment. Don't wait for another moment. Your holy moments happen in your car, right? You don't have to have a church. Now come to church, but they don't have to happen in church. Some of the holiest moments I've ever, some of the most sacred moments, some of the best prayer and worship times I've ever had have been in my truck while people are looking at me like I'm nuts. You know, I said, I don't care. I don't care. You know what? Holy moments, sacred moments are at your dinner table. When you're talking with your kids, whatever they learned about in, in, in Journeyland. Holy moments can be in the, on the golf course with your friends. Holy moments, sacred moments, holy ground can be wherever you are and are having Christ with you. So what does that look like for us? I want to do something real fast because I believe God's called a lot of us to remember those moments in our lives where we were at our best. And I'm going to pray for us. Can I do that today? Would you bow your heads real quick? Heavenly Father, it's in this moment. This is not just a story about remembering a a bunch of stones. It's a story about remembering, God, who you are and what you've done in our lives. God, thank you for being everything you are. Thank you for, as a young man at 17, stepping into my life and, 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 and literally, literally allowing me to know the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And so many people in this room, maybe go back to that moment right there. Maybe that was when your faith was at its best. Maybe there's no distractions. There was no 
No people telling you that you're wrong. There was no social media telling you, whatever that moment was. God, I pray that over the coming months and years that we would set up places in this faith community right here to remind people of how good you are. In Jesus' name, we pray these things. Amen. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or help taking your next step, email our team at nextsteps at journeycommunity.net.